1: Jesus has risen. He's risen from the grave and the grave is empty. Do you rejoice? How often do you catch yourself rejoicing over the fact that Jesus has indeed risen from the dead? Do you understand the significance by that action, by what happened, by the empty tomb? If you do, it should be cause for great rejoicing on a constant basis. Hi there, and welcome. This is Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from The Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. We find ourselves in Matthew 28, looking at the first 10 verses and the empty tomb. What a cause for rejoicing. Here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman now with more.
0: The title of my message this morning is Rejoice. Rejoice. We sung about it. We thank God for it. And uh, one of the things that I've observed walking with the Lord for over 20 years now, it's just been amazing to see how people get saved. And then after they get saved, they get grumpy. And... I believe that when you get saved, that and you give your life to Christ, that there's an element and aspect of rejoicing that should follow you the rest of your life. That's why David, I said, he said, I love what David said. He said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. There's a joy that's associated with salvation that causes us to rejoice and continually be in a state of rejoicing even when things go bad even when things don't go away there's still a place a deep-seated joy that we have knowing that ultimately our lives are in the hands of the master and that God gives us peace and for us when we're in the world but not of the world we have to make sure that we don't allow the world to cramp our style can I have an amen y'all That To crap our style. Sometimes we can get all irritated and grumpy and upset. and, And then we're looking at things that the world is doing. And we lose the smile. And we lose the joy. And we lose the laughter. We lose that which is necessary to keep us going. And I think that it's important that we understand that what Jesus did for us should give us a continual joy and a continual state of rejoicing. Life happens. Things go on. But you can still have a smile on your face. Can I have an amen? Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him you need to smile. You need to smile. You need to smile. Stop being so holy that you don't laugh at nothing. Can I have an amen? We associate holiness with being mean. <laughs> you know, we get so sanctified that we can't even laugh we got to get this out of our spirit and learn to laugh. And most importantly, laugh at yourself. (laughs) Jesus comes on the scene here. And watch what he says. It says in verse 1, it says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven... And came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But The angel answered and said to the woman, to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to bring his disciples word. Now watch this y'all. Watch this. And as they went to tell his disciples. Behold Jesus met them saying rejoice. The King James says all hail. Which means rejoice. The first thing that he says to them. Is rejoice. The first thing that he says is to rejoice and I think this is important if Jesus thought that this was the first word that needed to be spoken to these women of God as they sought to find his body and they realized that now he has been resurrected the first word that comes out of his mouth is rejoice Wow! (laughs) is rejoice but unfortunately like I've been saying earlier we lose this Jesus is trying to instill this into their hearts, instill it into our hearts this morning, that there's power in rejoicing. Amen. There's strength in rejoicing. Amen. It displays an overcoming mentality when you learn to rejoice in your life. The word "rejoice" here" in the Greek, it means to be glad. It means to celebrate. It means to exalt. I love this. It means to cheer. And I talk to you all about this all the time. Today in the stadium in Oakland, it's going to be a lot of cheering going on. But we come to church and we don't cheer. People come to church that are sitting here right here and they will lead this church service and go to the Warriors game and paint themselves up (laughs) and act a fool for three hours for somebody putting a ball in a bucket (laughs) in a round hole and they will dance and they will shake their rear end they will clap they will moonwalk and break dance. As soon as Steph Curry hits a three, they will start texting and emailing. And it's and I come to church sometimes and I look and I say, Jesus died, was buried, he got out of the grave, and people come to church and sit there as if nothing happened. And in fact, some people look scared. Can I have an amen, y'all? Folks looking there like, man, I don't want to raise my hand. Well, listen, God already knows you messed up. He knows you're you're sinful. He knows that you did wrong. He he wants you to come here and get it right. Can I have it? He wants us all to come here and get it right and then learn to rejoice. Can I have an amen, y'all? Now, I'm not against shouting and cheering, you know? When my Raiders win, I shout. And when my Lakers win. Yeah. Y'all haters man. I got some haters in here Lord. Deal with them. Deal with them Lord. (laughs) They haven't been winning a lot. But praise God. We believe in God for my Lakers. (laughs) But it means to cheer. It means to cheer. It means to leap for joy. It means to leave for joy. It means to make merry. When Jesus comes on the scene and he talks to these women of God, he tells them to rejoice, to be glad, to celebrate, to exalt, to cheer, to leave for joy, to make merry. Why? Because Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose from the grave for us. It's, it's, it's a cause for rejoicing, and it becomes a lifestyle. That we're always conscious of the fact that Je- of what Jesus has done for us. That he didn't have to do it. He chose to do it. It was not easy to do. All of us have all kinds of sin and mess- we're- messed up, we're marred. Our very nature is flawed. And Jesus comes in and He sacrifices His life to give us redemption and to give us another opportunity to give us a new start in life. Then He doesn't just forgive us our sins. We're going to talk about this in a minute. But then He washes us. He cleanses us. He begins to operate on us and He makes us new. We become born again. And nothing and no one else Have the power and the ability to do this. But Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we have to rejoice in this. And constantly think about this. When we have problems. When we have issues. When life uh, doesn't go our way. When we go through life. We have to go back to this place. Man look what Jesus did though. You can cry and rejoice at the same time. It speaks of the hope that we have in Jesus. Can I have an amen? It says in verse 9. And as they went to tell that his disciples behold Jesus met them saying rejoice. First word. So they came and held him by the feet. And worshipped him. This is the proper response. To. To Getting to know Jesus and getting and getting the revelation that he 's not dead, he is alive is now we learn to re- worship and rejoice, and then it says here, then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid, go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there you will see me, the, and there they will see me and so for all of us, I wanted to draw from this passage right here. The one word, and that is rejoice. But now let's get into the specifics. And we talked about it a little, a little earlier. Let's go to Mark chapter 2, verse 1 on down to 11. Mark chapter 2, 1 to 11. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them. Not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they covered the roof where he was where he was, so that they had so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son. Your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Who does this man or why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they responded thus within themselves. He said to them. Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven you or to say arise, take up your bed and walk. Now watch this y'all. But that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. We rejoice, number one, because Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, we see that Jesus came into the earth to deal with the issue of sin. Every person under the, sounds of my vo- the sound of my voice has been born into sin, shaped in, iniqu- in iniquity. All of us, by nature, do things wrong. That's why we need to be born again. You don't have to teach your kids to do things wrong. They just start doing them. Because we're flawed. And that's why we all need to be born again. Jesus Christ comes in. He comes in and he takes his life and he places it inside of us. He teaches us to deny our old self, the old Adam, so that the new Adam could emerge. Then he strengthens us by His grace, by His power, by the Spirit of God, to, to, not, to overcome our sinful ways and our sinful habits, our sinful propensities. He does it by infusing His nature inside of us. This is not just a mental thing. It's a spiritual thing. And God places His life in us. He who has the Son has the life. He places his life in us so that we can overcome from the inside out. We just don't do things by by altering our behavior for periods of time. No, God changes your nature. So now you just start doing right as you yield to his influence and start denying the old you. Start denying the old Napoleon called me. Now, righteousness begins to spring up. Why? Because you have the king of righteousness living on the inside of you now. Amen. And so, but this all comes about because Jesus has the power to forgive sins. And when we start really analyzing ourselves, one of the hardest things for humans to do is to be honest with themselves. And their condition. That's why if you won't do it, the word of God does it. Because this Bible is like a mirror. It starts to reveal you to you. And what happens is when we look into the perfect law of liberty, God begins to show us ourselves and we see how far off we are. But Jesus doesn't leave us there. He says, I have the power to forgive you of your sins. He has the power to take away the guilt, to take away the shame, to take away the discouragement, to take away the fact that we take two steps forward in life sometimes and then we take three steps backwards. And the things that we want to do, we can't do, and the things that we don't want to do, we start doing, and we have this this dynamic in our lives, but then here comes Jesus to Come in and to cleanse us of all of our sin and give us the power to do what he's requiring of us. He doesn't ask us to do it alone. He doesn't say go out over there and work it out yourself. He says I'm going to get in you and please myself through you. I'm going to get in you and wash and cleanse you and give you a power to overcome. And that's what we love. But it starts with him forgiving our sin. Lord when we look back and say God I thank you that you forgive me. For my sin. Then on the other side of the cross, we learn to confess our sin because God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. On the other side of walking with Christ, we still have to learn to yield to the influence of the Holy Spirit and learn how to understand the power of his conviction. Because on the other side, we may stumble. We may do things and God says, well, I got you covered there. Now you got to learn to confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. To confess your sin that I want. So now God has dealt with my past, but then now he's dealing with my present. But I've got to acknowledge that and I've got to learn the power of repentance. Somebody say repentance. Repentance is not an evil word. It is your way out. It's your way out. Repentance means to change your mind and go in a different direction. Jesus has the power to forgive sins, but what happens to a lot of people, they don't want to repent. Confession before God and repentance before God are powerful ways to keep yourselves flowing with God. He knows you're not perfect. He knows you have flaws, but he knows the remedy, and it is the power of the blood of Jesus. Jesus. And so in that, we rejoice. We learn to rejoice that, God, you've already forgiven me for all that stuff. So I don't care about what the devil says. I don't care about what my friends say. I don't care about what this person has to say. I don't care if the world tries to remind me. I don't care if my cousin tries to remind me. I don't care about nothing. I know that the blood (laughs) has caused me to walk over now on dry land. But when I get on this dry land and God is still processing me, and if I happen to stumble, Lord, you also have taught me the value of confessing my faults before you and repenting. And then you giving me more power and you're continually cleansing me. Does this sound good to anybody? Yeah. Now, does anybody want to rejoice over that? Yeah. My goodness. And so sin, we rejoice. Jesus tells them to rejoice. Your sin has been dealt with now. I've given you power over your sin. Don't let the devil keep you gripped in, in guilt for the rest of your life for stuff you did 20 years ago when you've already confessed it before God and you've already repented. Why linger there? This is one of the things that gets people. They look back on their lives and they're always thinking about what they did wrong and if Jesus has already forgiven you why don't you forgive you yeah but i did this way back and did you ask God to forgive you yeah did you repent and turn from it yes then what's wrong with you i don't know <laughs> believe what God said that he has the power to forgive sins that you're forgiven And what happens is, but all of us have to realize that the devil is constantly going to try to remind you of it. You got to remind him about the blood and the power of the blood and the power of the sacrifice and the power of the cross and the power of his resurrection and the power. This is what Jesus did for me, that I'm forgiven. I don't care what you have to say, devil. And I don't care what you have to say, that God has forgiven me of that. Can I have an Amen. Go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Jesus forgives sin. We need to rejoice. 1 John chapter 5 verse 1 on down to 5. It says here in verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcome, it says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. That has overcome the world. It says our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world. But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. And so this I love this because. This also tells me something that's beautiful. We really we need to rejoice because. God gives us power to overcome the world. Okay. He gives us power to overcome and get our, our, our sins forgiven. We understand that, but we also have to understand that we are in a sinful world. The spirit of the of, of this age is active and working to destroy humanity and to get people to jump in and go down a certain road in life. And you see it, the influence in the world. The devil's trying to influence our kids, he's trying to influence our our, our family is trying to influence the culture. He's trying to do everything he can to get God out of our lives. And the world system is designed to get God out of our lives. To remove God from everything, even though he is the creator. He is the originator. He is the great architect. It is the devil wants people to to get as far away from God as they can. And it is amazing how we let him do it because we choose the world over God. We choose to be acceptable in the sight of the world instead of being acceptable in the sight of God. People choose to to align themselves with things that, that are totally against God's point of view. And so we watch this happen all around us. But Jesus... He gives us power to overcome the world. He says in verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. He says our faith, our faith in God is a tool that's used to help us to overcome the world. But it doesn't happen if Jesus doesn't die. It doesn't happen if Jesus doesn't raise from the dead. It doesn't happen if he's not buried. He comes in and gives us power to overcome. We have to embrace this in life, that I don't have to be like everyone else.
1: Thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. This program is a production of the Well Christian Community, and we pray this message has blessed you in a special way. If it has, please let us know by contacting us today. You can write to us at The Well Christian Community, 2333 Neeson Drive. We're here in Livermore. The zip code is 94551. You can also contact us by phone at 800-374-9204. Again, that's 800-374-9204. Learn more about us as well as drop us an email at our website, thewellchurch.net. A peace that passes all understanding.